0: Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Eduardo Cova-Arabisos. I think <laughs> I pronounced that right. That is Eduardo uh, Cova-Rubias. <laughs> that's it. He's the chairman of Los Angeles Copper, who's, the, who's a TSX-listed miner focused on developing its 100% own uh, tier one copper uh, molybdenum free project in Chile. Um, a chemical engineer, industrial engineer by background, Eduardo has been involved in the banking industry with Chase Manhattan Bank for almost a decade, uh, covering the mining sector in Chile, and has expertise in project financing, structural finance, mergers, and acquisition transit, uh, transactions. Um, as chairman, he's gonna talk through about the growth of the company um, and where they are today, and their strategic plans uh, for the future. So that's welcome, Eduardo, to the uh, podcast. How are you doing, Eduardo? How are you, Rob? Thank you very much for having me here.
1: Nice, no, and, nice to see
0: you. No worries, appreciate your time as well. Um, so yeah, just wondering if you can, um, as we always start these podcasts off, just wonder if you can tell us a little bit about your your career, your background, um, your obviously your involvement in the mining industry um, to from, I suppose, when you graduated, to uh, present day,
1: absolutely. Well, I'm I'm a chemical engineer who never worked as a chemical engineer. So we went straight into finance, as you pointed out. Uh, I was involved uh, for for almost a decade in uh, in uh, in, fi- in mine financing. So I had to uh, I had exposure to uh, structuring new projects, uh, putting them together, capitalizing them, and then also through the uh, cycles, having to deal with restructurings and some of the uh, nastier side of, of, of making projects work in adverse conditions. So I had quite a bit of exposure to that. And uh, that was actually done both in New York and in Santiago dealing with uh, mining companies operating in Chile and some other places in the region. So I haven't been involved in, in mining as a professional since the early nineties. And with Viscatitas and Los Andes, uh, also uh, for a very long time, with Viscatitas since the nineties as well, I with Los Andes since we consolidated the property uh, into a single company in 2010.
0: So I just wanted to give us an overview of Los Andes Copper, um, a little bit about the history.
1: Absolutely, I mean, Los Andes is obviously, as you mentioned, a Canadian listed company, operates a single asset, which is the Vizcachitas project. Vizcachitas is a very, very large, Copper molybdenum porphyry uh, deposit located in Chile and in central Chile and uh, it's clearly a tier one asset it's, it's a very large um, deposit uh, with, uh, with that's being advanced right now through the pre-feasibility
0: uh, process. Um, what's the, the latest update on the project and uh, the key takeaways um obviously, looking at the delivery of the PFS um obviously um that's what we that's what stage you're you're at at the moment
1: yes we we announced the results of of, of the pre feasibility study late uh, late February, and uh, we are we we're we're about to publish the the actual report. uh there you we we announced our main main resource uh, sorry main reserves. Uh, that's 11 billion pounds of uh of copper equivalent and in terms of resources we we're showing uh, 15 billion pounds of measured and indicated copper equivalent uh, pounds and another 15 billion pounds of inferred resources so this is by any standard uh, one of the largest undeveloped Corporate deposits, out uh, and we have, and obviously we happen to be in a very mining-friendly jurisdiction, and in an area in central Chile with plenty of infrastructure, which is very, very uh, important when putting together in terms of cap rates and also in terms of op- uh, operating expenses going forward. Very, very important elements for the project.
0: And the asset. What What other mines or or assets are surrounding your your particular asset? Well,
1: Central Chile is uh, is home to four, three or four of the world's largest copper mines. If you look at the north of us, 70 kilometers north of us, in the same belt, same configuration, you have Pelambres. Pelambres is the flagship operation of Antofagasta Minerals. It's the mine that made uh, that company, and it's still the largest operation they have. 70, 80 kilometers south of us. You have actually two mines on the same two sides of the same hill. It's two mines on the same, if you want, uh, deposit. One of them is uh, is uh, Rio Blanco, which is the Andina division of Coelco. Coelco is a state owned uh, copper company. And um, that is not Coelco's largest mine, but it is Coelco's largest resource. The other side of that same hill, you have Los Bronces. And Los Bronces is one of the two large operations that the Anglo-American has in Chile together with Payahuasca. So these are all massive operations. And further south, uh, you have El Teniente. El Teniente is also owned by Codelco. And uh, El Teniente is the largest underground copper mine in the world. So we're sitting in a neighborhood of monster mines and we have all the elements and the profile to become another one of those.
0: Uh, Los Andes obviously holds itself to high ESG standards. Uh, What are some of the measures you've put in place to make the uh, project a more sustainable operation?
1: Well, first, we have the benefit of being a greenfield project. So we can design a project from scratch. We don't need to deal with legacy uh, decisions or operations and cleanup situations from the past. Uh, as Los Andes, we've made a commitment of adopting what we see as uh, the critical sustainable mining practices going forward. Uh, To to give you some examples of this, first of all, we've, uh, we've decided to go to filter tailings instead of traditional tailings deposits. That means we're reducing water consumption by 50% from thick thickened tailings or some of the other more traditional solutions. That's a, what we see is a very big change. That also not only means we're reducing water consumption by half, but also we're reducing the footprint of the project by being able to confine the whole operation in one valley versus two valleys, which is what we had before, where we we're looking at other tailing solutions. That's a big change. Another big change that comes along with that is uh, we're we're switching to desalinated water. We see that uh, mining projects, particularly in Chile, uh, with the effect of climate change and the drought that's uh, that's been created around that, uh, we we need to sort of uh, migrate to desalinated water. We're doing that, and we do we've done that by joining a consortium, which is a multi-client. Consortium, which is another element that's uh, that's right now very important when you're dealing with social and community matters, because this consortium we're going to represent about twenty five percent of the demand of that of that project. The rest is going to be some other smaller mining operations and some other high end agricultural producers that can afford desalinated water, but we're also requiring that consortium to make water desalinated water available. To, uh to the communities where the project that and the pipeline uh goes by and we see this as as key again this this is an area that's particularly hard hit by uh by the drought and, and climate change and some of these communities they are they're having even drinking water problems so this is a way to show how mining uh can contribute in many ways including very specifically making infrastructure for water available in areas where otherwise it would be unthinkable Other changes we're doing, for example, is uh, we're changing the communication uh, technologies. We're switching from sag mills to HPGRs. That's going to bring down power concentration by 25%. We're also uh, switching more traditional methods of moving around concentrate, the concentrate logistics. We're switching to retainers, which are essentially rotating uh, sealed containers that allows them to essentially put the concentrate on a sealed container at the mine operation and actually it goes sealed all the way to the ship and then it gets it gets it gets uh, uh, opened in within the warehouse or of the ship itself. So that is uh, those are changes that have a deep environmental impact and 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 are ways of showing how mining is not only contributing for the uh, uh, electrification and effects of 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 copper itself, but as an industry ourselves, we're making the changes to uh, lead on, on ESG practices.
0: Uh, cheetus is classified as a tier one asset. Um, what does this mean and what level of interest has it attracted uh, from some of the major uh, miners? Well,
1: because of a uh, First of all, we are located in Chile. Chile is a mining jurisdiction, so it's a country where you can develop uh, large copper projects, and we've been, as a country, able to show that over many decades. Uh, we have a scale, and this is what puts us as a tier one project. We are we're, we're going to be able to produce start producing over one hundred eighty thousand tons of copper per year, and over the life of the mine, it's going to be over one hundred fifty thousand tons of copper. There's very few projects that can show uh, that you can produce that amount of copper over the very long uh, run with a, with a a solid cost structure. And again, in a jurisdiction that you can actually look at investments for 30, 40, 50 years. That's what actually puts us solid as a tier one operation again. And also, and, I haven't touched this, but this this deposit is completely open. So this is this is the operation that results only from the information we have on this deposit so far. We only have sixty thousand meters of drilling. This can continue to grow significantly, and that's actually obviously what the majors and let's call the strategic players are looking worldwide. And obviously, this is this is a good name to be paying some attention to.
0: What does an increased demand for copper? Uh, in the wake of, obviously, the green energy transition mean for the company? Well, for the
1: company itself and for anybody who has good, solid, large projects, uh, the deficit of copper uh, that's going to be coming over the next six, seven years is huge. And that means that uh, all the projects that... uh, that have a reasonable prospect and that have a scale need to be developed, and we believe that we're actually very well positioned in that in that list. And this, the list is not very big, uh, very long, and 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 we're very well positioned. In this. So for us, we see this as a must, if you will, uh, with including some other projects. This is a must that needs to be developed if we're serious about electrification globally.
0: Um, what's the the the, I suppose, the environment in Chile at the moment in regards to mining. Um, How has the mining industry um, changed over the last few years?
1: Well, you can see uh, in Chile, Chile is a mining uh, jurisdiction, is a mining country. You've seen the discussion over the last uh, year or the last uh, six, uh, seven months, how the government and the institutions have reaffirmed the need to make sure that the mining sector has conditions that incentivize uh, investment in the long-term. Chile uh, depends on mining, particularly on copper. Uh, it's, it's the driving uh, sector that f- essentially finances a lot of the, uh, the needs of the country. and But it's also a sector that is now requiring substantial investment just to keep up with with the production i mean these the, the Chilean mines have been around for a very long time uh but the grades are coming down some of them are having to switch from leaching operations to flotation circuits so there's 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 uh, many billion dollars of investments per year uh for the next several years and the only way that happens is by creating the the, the, the right conditions uh, for the mining companies to uh, to trust the country in the long term. That is happening, and we're seeing that uh, the mining companies are actually coming in. You've seen a couple of transactions of, of actually new players coming into the country to invest long term in coppers, and that's that's a, that's part of again yeah, what we're what we're we're facing. There's been a discussion about the the new uh, new award. A change to the royalty uh, uh, tax that's that's uh, present in Chile, and uh, we can see how all parties—the mining companies, the government, and the, uh, the political sector—they're all coming together into, into a discussion that where everybody's points of view are taken into account to make sure that if there is increased taxation, it is compatible with long term investment.
0: What do you see? The, uh I suppose what do you see the challenges within the copper industry globally moving forward obviously there's a an undersupply of of copper um I went to a conference the other week and someone uh, a junior miner said to me that the 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 copper price needs to rise by a, a significant amount to start to obviously start some of these copper projects what do you see as challenges that the industry is facing within the copper sector?
1: Um, A couple of things. I mean, I I would agree that uh, copper price needs to uh, move up significantly, uh, particularly for some of those more marginal projects to be able to be developed. Uh, There isn't enough copper identified So that also means that exploration in copper needs to sort of uh, uh, continue to grow. Um, But then uh, a discovery, if you discover a project today, you're probably 10, 12 years away from making that project a reality in operation. So there is a gap there and there isn't enough big copper discoveries out there to bridge the gap. Can just copper price on its own fix that? I'm not sure. So there is that's an open question, and I'm sure there's people better prepared than I than I AM to,
0: to, to answer that. And as a conclusion, uh, what's the outlook for the remainder of the year uh for uh for the company and the project? Well,
1: um uh, in our case, uh, we're, we're we're putting together the PFS report and we're putting it out uh, in, in the next few days. There's some pretty uh, pretty um, obvious uh, optimizations to be done. Uh, we have 15 billion pounds of inferred uh, resources that don't make it to the mine plan. Um, a, a, a relevant piece of that is actually sitting right below our mesh of drilling, and that's that's just because. The older drilling that was done in this project 10, 15 years or more ago were shorter holes. So we need to go back and extend that drilling down and bring all that into the mine. That in and of itself increases the mine life of the project from 26 years to over 40 years. So those are pretty uh, pretty obvious uh, uh, um, immediate if you want optimizations to be done. Another, another optimization is, is just trying to uh, figure out how much how much more does this deposit grow, uh, particularly to the east. We've, we've been drilling to the east of the deposit. It's completely opened it up again. So we used to say we didn't, I mean, we knew where the center of this deposit was. Now we don't even know where the center of the deposit is. And the only way to do that is to go back drilling and, and try to, try to uh, investigate that a bit better. So there's a lot of potential for for, addition, for increase uh, in value uh, beyond the PFS, which is again, already a pretty compelling story. Uh, there's also some deep drilling that we need to continue doing. Uh, we've, we've had some very nice high-grade intercepts in the bottom of some of the deeper drilling we've done so far. And that's starting to illuminate that there's probably an underground uh, potential or, or case to be developed beyond the open pit. Those are all elements that need to be uh, further worked on, and and we need to work on that, and then obviously start doing the the, the early works for for a proper feasibility study. Proof, for, for feasibility study.
0: Eduardo, well, really appreciate your time in giving us an update on Los Angeles Copper, um, and obviously. Uh, what you're looking to achieve and obviously look, uh, the outlook for the remainder of this year. Um, and obviously I wish you well uh, for, the, for the course of this year. If um, our audience wants to reach out to you, if they've got any questions, if they want to follow your story, how can they go about doing that? Obviously following your story on social media, what social media platforms are you on?
1: Absolutely. Well, we're, we're, we're on LinkedIn, uh, we're on Twitter. And you can always write us directly at info at and we'll be happy to reach out directly and and and
0: communicate with them. Yeah, no worries. We include those in the show notes accompanying this uh, accompanying this episode. Um, so really uh, appreciate your time. All the best for twenty twenty three. Uh, those that are listening, appreciate your continued support. Please share this episode uh, amongst other mining professionals in the industry and um not only those within south america but globally um obviously we have a multitude of uh, listeners um whether it's people within the mining industry whether it's um, service providers or even investors so really appreciate your continued support please keep sharing this uh this content as far as uh, as you can and um and until next time happy mining thank you for listening